Uh, nice job, Frank. Thanks. Way to be. Way to be. Uh, he just read, Frank just read two, two like seemingly different types of scripture, parts of scripture, one from the Gospel of Luke and one from Acts. Uh, both those have the same writer, and the writer is Luke. Luke is the writer of both those. Did you guys know that? That he wrote both Luke and Acts? Good. I see some head nods. I see some no nods. We have a little bit more learning to do. Um, so uh, Luke, he was a physician, uh, and so when he writes, he writes in incredibly detailed ways, like really, really detailed ways, uh, and, and his writing is such that he captures every single point and every single uh, um, you know, conversation and every single event that has happened, uh, and, and the reason Luke is writing this way is because he is a physician and because he is incredibly detailed and he's smart and he's bright, but most scholars would agree that what Luke is doing is he's actually calling the people who are reading his gospel and reading his letter of Acts, he's calling those people to break things up. He's calling them to be courageous. He's calling them to change up routine in some ways. He's calling them to change up routine. Routine, oh, we don't live without routine, do we? Routine. If I um, wash my face before I wash my hair, my day is ruined. (laughs) I don't know if you guys feel that way. You have a routine, right? And the routine kind of sets you right. It sets you in the right, the right way. I, your routine is probably a lot like my routine, probably, right? Like we, we wake up and we have that same way that we get ready every single morning. And then we take the same walk to the same subway stop, right? And we get on the same subway car, right? When the train comes a little early, we're, we're like, oh, the train's here a little early. But we're a little bit bummed, too, because we're not going to get off at the subway. We're not going to have our subway car. And uh, that subway car lets us off right at the exit. And when we get right to the exit, we walk up the stairs and we go to our favorite coffee shop. I hope you guys like something other than Starbucks. And um, you, get your, you get your coffee and you walk to your office, or to your nannying job, or you walk to your audition, or to wherever it is that you go. And you walk there and the whole walk over, you say to yourself, I'm not going out tonight because I've gone out the past two nights and I don't want to go out anymore. And, and that's what you do. And then you get there. And, uh, and you, you work for a couple hours, you get some work done, and then you start thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch, right? And you're like, what are the places around me? And then you, you're like so disappointed that you settled on pot belly or something like that because uh, it never really feels, fills you up. And then like you work a little bit more, and then around 3.30 you're like, you know what, maybe I'm going to go out tonight. I think I'm going to do that. And so, so that's what you do. You, you take the train back, and the train's all crowded, and you're hoping that it runs, uh, you know, doesn't run express and miss your stop. And you get off, and then you talk to the same people about the same stuff, right? You talk to them about your job. You talk to them about your relationships or your lack thereof. You talk to them about your families. You talk to them about your apartment and when your lease is up or the mice that you have right now or whatever it might be, right? And this is the conversation that we have. We have the same conversations and then we go home and we watch, uh, you know, Scandal or Orange is the New Black or Transparent. I guess that's the new big show. And then we, uh, um, you know, then we take a look at Facebook and maybe Tinder for some of us and we go to bed. And we do the same thing tomorrow. The only difference is every so often we'll take a picture of the Empire State Building just to prove to people that we live in New York. (laughs) Even though like, um, look at me, my life's so amazing. The same routine happens, I'm just doing it in New York. And that's what we do. We have these routines. We got these routines, right? It just never stops. It's the same thing over and over. Um, We have church routines too. You guys braved an ice storm to make it today. That's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm proud of you all. And, and so you made it, but you made it because church is part of your routine. You show up most Sundays, and you expect Ben to, uh, you know, set up something for worship, and, it, it, you know, Ben changes it up a lot, but 
we're going to get the same kind of thing, right? And, and uh, you know, you expect a message from the stage. That's, I'm not going to say anything about it, but, you know, it's there. It's a message. And it happens, and, like, you, you kind of expect that to, to happen. And you know the people that you're going to see, and you're even going to know some of the stuff that we think and that we believe, right? It's, it's all kind of the same. And if it wasn't all the same and you didn't have the same stuff that you thought or believed, well, there's 12 churches in a two-mile radius that we could probably go to if we wanted to. And so at this point... Everything happens in a worship routine as well. This becomes a safe place for us. It's a safe spot. So we have routine. Right? Routine is not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. You guys ever read these books and what does every person who ever made a billion dollars and owns like three islands say? They all say the same thing. What? That they have this like really disciplined and strict routine. That's what they all say and that's why they've been so successful. Um, I'm glad you're here at church and I'm glad you come every Sunday. I'm glad that you brave ice storms to get here. I really am. I like it. I like that this is a safe place for people. I'm glad it's part of our routine. I really am. But what happens? What happens to you guys when your routine gets broken? What happens? What happens when you wash your face before you wash your hair? What happens? What happens when you take a different path or a different line or there's a different thought or things get uncomfortable, you have to talk to different people? What happens? You're like, I'm being messed with right now. I am not feeling safe. I'm feeling like my passions are kind of off skew and my life is a little out of whack and I'm off center and you're messing with me. You're messing with my me and my stuff and what I think. And I, Stop it. Right? That's sort of what we do. The truth is our brain, I think I've said this in another message, our brain actually creates little neural pathways. You guys remember me talking about this? That when you set up a routine, your brain creates little neural pathways that allow you to do your routine without thinking. Seriously. And so all of a sudden it gets messed up and i got to think again. Like, you know, like, it's a bad thing. It's hard for us. It's really, really difficult. What does this have to do with anything, right? What does this have to do with epiphany? Um, The light of God is here. The light of God is here, right? It's epiphany, uh, and, and Jesus is here, and it's this exciting time. It's a time where we're called to action. That's what it is. It's a time that we say we hear the voice of God, which is why we title this series Vox Day. We hear the voice of God. And yet, you guys don't have to raise your hand, but my guess is that there have been plenty of us in this room who at some point, I've never heard the voice of God. I feel like I've never heard the voice of God. I don't know what the voice of God sounds like. God is distant. God is aloof. God's not around. I'm like kind of in this waiting pattern. I just, I don't think God's speaking to me. Like the voice of God is a mystery to me. It's not there. Has anybody ever felt this way before? It comes to the voice of God? A few of us, yeah. I'm gonna share with you an epiphany that I had. Uh, this happened last week. I lost the remote, my TV remote. And, uh, so I looked under my white couch, pulled out the cushions, looked under there, and I saw nothing. And I put the cushions back, and I stood there for like 10 seconds, and then I picked up the cushions again. <laughs> and this time I like did this, and it wasn't there. And so I put them back, put the cushions back down, I stood there for like 10 seconds, and I did it a third time. I like picked up the cushions again, and this time I like dug a little bit under, and I put the cushions back down. And then I was like, Juby, I can't find the remote. And she's like, did you look? And I was like, Yeah. What am I getting at? (laughs) Sometimes I think when we're doing the same thing over and over, when our routines happen the same way, in the same path, with the same car, in the same line, it's hard to feel or understand or or even know the voice of God when we're not able to break out of it, break out of that routine, do something different. So what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about Luke. 
And I want to talk about how Luke writes in such a way that he begs us in this epiphany season to break out of our routines and hear the voice of God in ways that absolutely break apart systems and, and, and are so courageous that not only our lives change, but history is changed. And I want us to catch just a glimpse of what Luke is saying, and I want us to, to be able to bring it to ourselves and maybe at the end of this, we'll say, you know what, I'm not so afraid of, of looking somewhere else for the voice of God. So let's get into Luke. Let's do it. Luke, uh, you know, Frank read it so beautifully. He read Luke chapter 2, and he reads, and it says, In the time of Caesar Augustus, Augustus issues a decree that says that everybody should go back to their hometown, and that there is a census that needs to happen. It was this giant empire. And if you guys have been with me for the past three weeks, I've talked in a very historical context, and I'm going to do the same thing today. Okay, we're going to talk about some of the history behind Epiphany, behind Jesus. And so why does Luke even care to tell us that there was a, uh, a, you know, a census that had to be taken? Why does he tell us about who the governor was and about who the Caesar was and all that? That is incredibly, incredibly important. It's important for two reasons. Number one, it's important because prophecy says that the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem, the town of David. So that, that gets that done right there. But secondly, secondly, What Luke wants to tell us and wants to tell the reader is that this is happening amidst the throes of oppression. There is oppression that is happening. If you were to read this gospel, this gospel is in your pocket and you were under the rule of a Caesar, you'd find a little bit of comfort in this. Jesus was also under the rule of a Caesar, which means that Jesus was under the rule of oppression just like I am right now. Okay, That's kind of how you would read it in the first century. And so if you were reading this in the first century, then, then maybe you would have heard about Jesus or maybe you're a little too young and Jesus has now been ascended into heaven, but, but you would know that Jesus was around when your parents were around or you would know that Jesus knew some of the same people that you knew, and so you would know, and Jesus would know, the fact that, say, like uh, Caesar um, had a Roman warlord named Varus destroy two towns, the town of Sisyphus, not Sisyphus, Seraphis, and the town of Emmaus. And you would know that the town of uh, Seraphis and the town of Emmaus are both towns that are really, really close to Nazareth, in fact, about two or three miles away from Nazareth. And you would know that in those towns that were completely burned to the ground by this man named Varus, that anybody who tried to, to, to revolt against Varus and revolt against the burning of these towns was killed on a cross. And some historians would say that there were 2,000 crosses lined up across Emmaus, across Seraphis, into Nazareth with people who were being hung and killed for trying to revolt. And so if you are in the first century and if you're reading this, you know that Jesus has faced the same oppression that you have faced because they, most historians will think Jesus was a teenager around that time. So that means if you're reading this and all of a sudden Jesus is start, starts to call disciples, he's asking people to break out of routines. He's saying, you see what's happening here. You see this. Let's break out of our throw of oppression. Let's break out of our routine and let's, let's do something. Let's do something about this. Let's be countercultural. Let's be courageous. Let's get outside of routine. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. You would also know that there's another Roman warlord named Cassius, and Cassius enslaved the entire town of Magdala, women and children and everyone involved. And so when Luke starts to write, he writes about a certain apostle of Jesus' name, Mary. And what was Mary's name? Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. 
Mary who was probably enslaved by Cassius and the rest of his people. And you would be like, wow, this woman who is of ill repute, right? Over and over we say like, oh, she was a prostitute and all this, you know, was also oppressed. And who knows? I don't know the story behind it, but they would say, wow, what courage of a woman to not stand there and and be a part of a routine of society, but to break free, to have courage and to go follow Christ, go follow the light, go hear the voice of God. And so this is the way Luke writes. He writes in ways that beg people to say, don't do what what normal is. Don't do what life looks like. I need you to get out of this. I need you to show courage. I need you to break your routine. I need you to see the voice of God. That's the way Luke continues to write. So Caesar, right? Caesar is Lord. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Caesar is Lord. And so as Caesar being Lord, there was a bunch of stuff that had to happen. Um, I said this two weeks ago. Roman soldiers would walk around and they would say, Caesar is Lord. And you were a God-fearing Jew who would have no other gods before you. And you would have to yell back, Caesar is Lord. And if you didn't yell it back, you'd be killed. Okay, it was part of what happened. Caesar created the ecclesia where everybody could worship Caesar and everybody could do what Caesar uh, wanted them to do. In fact, Caesar commissioned uh, authors and writers and poets to write about how he was a god. How many people have heard of Virgil? You guys ever hear of Virgil, the poet Virgil? Wrote an epic called the Aeneid. In the Aeneid, he says this, the one who will come will be the divine salvation. He will annihilate the evil of the past and establish a universal empire of peace. He will bring about the renewal of all things. That's what Virgil writes. Sounds a whole lot like a book like Isaiah or something, right? But that's written about the Caesar because Caesar was God. Caesar thought he was a God that he decided he was going to have a 12-day festival for him. You want to know what the name of the 12-day festival was? It's kind of interesting. It has nothing to do with the message. It was called Advent. Anyway. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the message. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> it was called Advent, right? So Caesar's like, I'm a god. And because I'm a god, these are the things that you think about me. And so it's during this Advent time that people were saying things like, Caesar's the new high priest. Caesar can forgive your sins. The turning point of the ages has come. Caesar is now here. So now... You are in the first century and you have Luke's gospel in your pocket because it's been distributed and it's been passed around. And in Luke's gospel, it says things like this. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Wait a second, Caesar's Lord, not Jesus. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Wait a second, Jesus is not the Messiah, the Lord Caesar is. And so if you have this in your pocket and a Roman soldier searches your pocket, you have, you're going to be killed. You're going to be killed because... It says that somebody other than Caesar is Lord. But what is Luke asking you to do? He's asking you to break out of the throw of oppression. He's asking you to break out of routine. He's asking you to take courageous steps. He's asking you to follow the light, follow a new voice of God. That's what Luke is asking you to do. And so when you look through Luke, and you guys can look through Luke and look through it all day, and you look at all the times in Luke that he writes, uh, the disciple said, Lord. Or, for instance, when Jesus is being tempted in the desert, it says, do not tempt the Lord your God, right? Every single one of those times Luke is writing Lord, what he's doing is he's saying there is a new voice. There is a voice that you need to hear, and it's a voice that you will only hear when you're able to break out of your routine, out of the throes of oppression. That's what Luke is doing. He's being subversive. He's smart. He's detailed, and he's speaking truth begging people to get out of routine. And so what Luke wants to do is that Luke tells the story of Jesus Christ. He tells the story of the voice of God. He begs people to move, to break, to, to break free, to move forward. And then what he does in Acts is he says, and here's what the first people who did it look like. You want to know how to do it? 
I'm going to write you the way the first people did it. The first people broke out of their routine. And this is what he says, and he's speaking through the voice. And Luke is writing uh, an account of Peter right now. And he says this. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's a big deal. It's not Caesar. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Should we continue to live in our same routines? By the way, I put that stuff in. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Not in the name of Caesar, in Jesus Christ. So now what Peter is saying, he's saying there is a new light. There is a new voice. And there is a bunch of stuff that's getting in the way of you seeing that. You have a routine, a way of living that's getting in the way of seeing that. Repent from that. Repent from that. That is having you miss the mark and see this new way, this new light, hear this new voice, break off from the throes, have courage, break from routine, hear the voice of God. So what do they do? I love it. I love what they do. This is like, I say this every week, but this is one of my favorite passages. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Here's another Last interesting little piece of historical context I'm going to give you. When you were a God-fearing Jew and a Roman soldier came around and said to you, Caesar is Lord, and you replied, Caesar is Lord, not every time but sometimes, what would happen is that Roman soldier would give you bread. Caesar is Lord, here is bread. And so, you know, you were poor, and you were oppressed, and you were beaten up, and you would say, Caesar is Lord, and you were hoping that you would get bread. What does Luke say that the first, what does Luke say that the first followers of Christ did? Those who are able to break free from routine, what did they do? It says it twice in the passage. It says they, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread into prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Caesar is Lord. Here is some bread. Jesus is Lord. Break your routine. Break bread. This is not on accident. This is Luke saying there is a new light, a new truth, a new voice. Break from your routine, break bread. Caesar is Lord and it's under the rule and power of Caesar that you are constantly under the threat of death. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is alive. In Jesus you are alive. Break routine and break bread. It's cool, it's interesting. Um, Three years ago, Three years ago, before this church was even a glimmer in anybody's eye, um, I had a meeting with some people who were um, living in Brooklyn at the time about the possibility of starting this church. Uh, I think, Sean, you were like the only one that was there. (laughs) And so we had this meeting, and I read this passage. I read it, and I said, I hope. I hope this is who we can become. I hope that we become this community that, um, that gets together and is able to break bread together and, and see if everybody's needs are met and, and, and worships together and prays together. And I remember like there was like 25, 30 people in the room and everybody was just, the anticipation, the excitement was palpable. There was something new. It was going to be different. It was going to become a break from routine. 
And I think the reason our church has grown tenfold is because many bought into it. So many people were like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a part of a new community. I'm going to be a part of a smaller group. I'm going to be part of a group of people where not only do I eat first and establish my routine first, but I go around the room and I say, you, are are your needs met? Are your needs met? Are your needs met? Are your needs met? And before I can even do any of that, I thank God because I've done something new. I've stepped outside of my own self. I've been cut to the heart. And I can hear the voice of God. And then we became a church, and this became a vision of ours. It became a value of ours, right? At least our vision is to restore and renew lives through the power of Jesus. It's incredible, and one of the values that we have. We talked about the value of diversity two weeks ago, humility last week. And we have a value of community. This happens through community. And yeah, is this a similar message to one that I would have taught you two and a half years ago? Absolutely. But I don't think we can forget that at the basis of this Christianity, of this Christ-following thing, of this religion, is the fact that there are people who say it's not about me and my comfortability and my passion and my line and my right train car. This is about me breaking routine, being cut to the heart, and looking outside at a new voice of God, a new light. So today, today I want us to, to, to... Make the simple step, the small step of breaking routine and breaking bread. And so if you're not in a group, if you're not in in a place where you are fellowshipping with other people, if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a guild, if you're not in something like that, today's the day to do it. Make that happen today. Today's the day to say, all right, you know what? My life is busy. I go to work. I get home. I have kids. I go to work. I get home. I have to do this thing. I get it. It's busy. But today I say, if you want to hear the voice of God, stop flipping over the same couch cushions every time and go break routine and break bread. And now there are others of us here. And we're like, oh, this is my second Sunday at church. I'm not going to join a small group yet. Or there's others of us here who are like, I lead a small group and I'm in one. So give me something new. (laughs) Um, and yeah, there are absolutely other ways, other ways we break routine to hear the voice of God, other ways to see that happen. Um, and they happen in these little steps. How many people, and you can raise your hand from this one, have heard of Bishop Desmond Tutu? How many have heard of him? Almost everybody in the room. He won a Nobel Peace Prize. He, uh, helped, uh, end apartheid in South Africa, among other things. All right, you got to raise your hand again. How many people have heard of Trevor Huddleston? All right. One person. The BBC uh, interviewed Desmond Tutu, and they said, what was the defining moment of your life? What was the defining moment of your life? And Desmond Tutu said, when I was nine years old, I was walking down the sidewalk with my mom in South Africa. And in those days, if a white person was approaching, well, white people had more power and privilege uh, than black people did. And so if a white person approached, uh, you would have to step off the sidewalk and into the gutter. And the gutter was exactly what it sounds like. It was the place where garbage ran and where there was feces and other things. And you'd have to step into the gutter. And as the white person passed, you would have to tip your hat in respect to that white person. So Desmond Tutu, who is nine years old, is walking with his mom down the street, and they see a white person in the distance. And so, you know, they make their move, their customary move to, to, you know, step off. And before they can step off, this white person steps off into the gutter, tips his hat to Desmond Tutu and his mother. And Desmond Tutu says, Mom, why would that person do that? Why did that happen? What happened? The mom says, that's... That's Trevor Huddleston. He's the local priest in the neighborhood. And he's opposed to what's happening here. 
This is the words of Desmond Tutu. He says, when she told me that, he was an Anglican priest. I decided there and then that I wanted to be an Anglican priest too, and what is more, I wanted to be a man of God. And what I love so much about this story is that Desmond Tutu's entire life trajectory, our entire world's trajectory, changed because there was a man who decided to break from routine one side step at a time. Decided to, to do something small to show courage to break the system to end throes of oppression one small side step at a time. And I think about the light of epiphany. I think about us and whether or not we can hear the voice of God and the routines that we carry in day in and day out. And I, I wonder, I wonder, is it possible that we are in some giant, giant, unfolding, incredible will of God that is as big or even bigger than the one Desmond Tutu was in and Trevor Huddleston was in and all we need to do is break our routine by making one small sidestep outside of our normal life outside of what is comfortable and into the changing of this world. Break from routine. Break bread. Break from routine. Take one small step. Hear the voice of God. Change the way you listen for the voice of God. Change this world because the truth of the matter is is that Caesar Augustus is dead. And the truth of the matter is is that every Caesar after him was dead. And the truth of the matter is Roman oppression is dead. And the truth of the matter is Every single time that there is a, another ruler that pops up, they die. And every time oppression pops up, it dies. And the truth of the matter is we have a light. We have a God that says, repent, you are forgiven, you are loved. And that God lives. Amen? Let's pray, you guys. Uh, God, um, give me the courage to wash my face before my hair. <laughs> give us the courage to do that too. Um, give us the courage to take small steps to the side. Give us courage to break throes of oppression by stepping off a sidewalk. Give us courage to be the light of Christ by looking in other places by talking to other people, by doing other things. Give us the courage to say that we want to change our minds and repent, that we want to ask forgiveness of our sins, that we do not measure up because there is a God who lives. And it's by saying that that we actually get to hear that God's voice. So give us that courage today. We pray this in your name. Amen.